0: People often say that despair is lonely, but I reckon that hope is even lonelier. Despair might be termed the piece of gravity for a pig to become bacon. All it has to do is relax and subside into a pool of blood, and still its head is grinning pink. Despair has a similar warmth of sorrow. Hope sometimes provides first aid, but there may sometimes be people who dislike Hope's first aid. Maybe. Reckoning that despair offers more comfort, following a bright ray of sunlight trembling in the breeze. You came from afar to obtain medicine, but being already convinced that the medicine has no effect, your sickness grew worse. The cactus, Hope's totem pole. Even on a night when all the words flew away from the dictionary, Even at that moment, like blue lightning, standing quietly before a chair after taking off my shoes, the word hope barely managed to remain. And because of that one word, I cannot discard everything. The word hope prevents the world's ruins from being completed. Beating my breast and asking why I don't let the ruins continue. Rather because of that hope, there are frighteningly lonelier times. The Cactus, Hope's Totem Pole. It's in order to love still, more, fully, until blood flows freely. Though I want to escape, put an end to it, that bright sunlight being shared out for no reason, such a waste. Like blood spreading in water. Hope and I. Hope is a life sentence. Hope is lonely. Kim Sung-hee, Hope is Lonely. Interior, the Purdue House, Dining Room, Early Morning. Ventress is packing to leave. Lena stands nearby. Thornton's body lies covered in the entryway. The bear's body lies dead in the living room. Radic sits in the kitchen, listening. We left Ventress mid-sentence. Dr. Ventress continued. If I don't reach the lighthouse soon. soon. Beat. Angle on Ventress from Lena's POV. As she speaks, Ventress gets to her feet and slings her pack over her right shoulder. Dr. Ventress continued. The, the person that, person that started, started this dream won't be the, the person, person that ends it. it. I, I want to be, be the, the one, one that ends it. it. Reverse on Lena, second seven. Ventress walks past her into the entryway away from camera. Lena turns to watch her go but has nothing to say to stop her. Lena walks toward the entryway much more slowly than Ventress is leaving. Cut to Radic, second twelve. An overturned chair and the dead bear behind her in the living room. Three bright lights at the far end of the room, illuminating the space sharply. Braddock turns her head to the right, and we wait. Beat. Second 18, back to the previous angle from the dining room. Lena stopped barely into the hall. Another bright light is by the front door, which Ventress now opens. Inner door, then outer door. Lena, silhouetted, her back to us, looks down, raises her hands to her face. Crying, maybe. In the script... We cut from Lena killing the bear, to Raddick bleeding out on the floor, to exterior, Ville Perdue, sunrise. First light over the town. Exterior, Ville Perdue, house, porch, sunrise. Raddick sits on the porch of the house, slumped on a rotting wicker chair. Her chest is bandaged, but the bandage is soaked through with blood. Her skin looks like white wax. Her eyes open. She sees Lena sitting beside her. Lena holds a water bottle to Raddick's lips. Raddick, thank you. Raddick's voice is weak. She drinks a little. Raddick, continued. Dr. Ventress? Lena, gone, about half an hour ago. The coast isn't far, so I'm sure she'll make it. The only real purpose of this expedition was to give her a chance to reach the lighthouse, find out what's inside after all these years. Lena pauses. Lena, continued. I don't much like her, but I'm glad she'll get what she wanted. A beat. Then Raddick glances at Lena. Raddick, why didn't you leave me here? Lena says nothing. Raddick, continued. I can't survive these injuries. You know that. No answer. Raddick, continued. You plan to stay with me until I die? Lena, yes. Raddick nods. Then pauses. Raddick, it was strange hearing Shepard's voice last night. I suspect that as she was dying, part of her mind became part of the creature that was killing her beat radic continued it's a terrible thought to die frightened and in pain and have that as the only part of you which survives trapped in the mind of an animal beat radic continued i wonder if i'll be trapped in you silence radic continued there's morphine in the medical kits lena radic radic give me whatever's left Shut my mind down, then shoot me. Lena, Raddick, please, don't ask me to do this. Silence. Raddick's gaze remains fixed on Lena's face. Eventually, Lena has to meet it. Exterior, Phil Perdue, Statue Garden, day. Sunlight in the Statue Garden. A few beats of quiet, then the sound of a single gunshot. The retort slaps off the sides of the houses, then vanishes into the forest. A few beats later, Lena appears. Face strained of color and emotion. She stares at the foliated people. Cut to the statue garden. Lena has set all the figures on fire. She's watching them burn. And she's howling with rage and grief. For Radek, shepherd, Shepard, and Cain. Setting fire to the forest feels like revenge. From orange flames wrapped around human forms... Cut to black. Caption. Part 3. The Lighthouse. In the film, we cut second 27 from Lena in the hall to ville the porch of a building we've not seen yet. A large tree rises up from within and surrounds the building. Over the entrance hangs a sign denying entry. Stop. Biosecurity area. Just inside the entryway are two of the topiary people, one with pink flowers close to the doorframe looking outward. One slightly smaller with blue flowers, turned toward the other. Outside the structure are three more of these people. One in the distance on the right with pink flowers, a rainbow rising over a distant house behind her. Another one closer on the right, pink flowers, thick-shouldered, slouching, head forward. And in the foreground on the left, one with light flowers, off-white and maybe a little pink. Head down, but not like the one on the right. This one seems less depressed, less beaten. Almost two on the nose, these five topiary people, as representing our five women. Ventress in the foreground, determined, leaving on her own. Thornton off to the side, physically strong but slouching against her own internal struggles. In the distance, nearly forgotten, Shepard. And in the house, Lena, deciding how to follow Ventress. And Radic looking to Lena for... For guidance? For explanation? For anything? Production designer Mark Digby explains to Abraham Reisman, Vulture... 23rd February 2018, quote, It was really, really hard to make a representation of a human in a plant without thinking Edward Scissorhands, without being a topiary. It has to give the notion that we wanted, that it was human-esque, but not human. Also, from a different angle, you don't see them. But if you come up the right angle, they become people. It's quite complicated, end quote. Riesling continues, quote, That's the annihilation design process in microcosm. Make something natural, yet distinctly unnatural. Make it hard to visually process, yet immediately impactful. And make it all seem like nothing viewers have ever seen before. It was no easy task, and according to Digby, it took long discussions, diverse sources of influence, and a lot of outre mathematics. End quote. And if we take these five figures as representing the five women, we might take them as being the five women. Previous iterations and previous resumptions. Time does not work within the Shimmer as it works outside the Shimmer. We have known that since minute two. And jumping ahead, there is this from the novel. Quote. Swiftly, in case someone waited down there, I threw open the trapdoor, shouting out something inane like, I've got a gun, aiming my weapon with one hand and my flashlight with the other. I had the distant sense of the weight of my gun dropping to the floor, my flashlight shaking in my hand, though somehow I held on to it. I could not believe what I was staring down at and I felt lost. The trapdoor opened onto a space about 15 feet deep and 30 feet wide. The psychologist had clearly been here, for her knapsack, several weapons, bottles of water, and a large flashlight lay off to the left side. But of the psychologist herself, there was no sign. No, what had me gasping for breath, what felt like a punch in the stomach as I dropped to my knees, was the huge mound that dominated the space, a kind of insane midden, I was looking at a pile of papers with hundreds of journals on top of it, just like the ones we had been issued to record our observations of Area X, each with a job title written on the front, each, as it turned out, filled with writing. Many, many more than could possibly have been filed by only 12 expeditions. The journals and other materials formed a moldering pile about 12 feet high and 16 feet wide that in places near the bottom had clearly turned to compost, the paper rotting away beetles and silverfish tended to those archives, and tiny black cockroaches with always-moving antennae. Toward the base, and spilling out at the edges, I saw the remains of photographs and dozens of ruined cassette tapes mixed in with the mulch of pages. There, too, I saw evidence of rats. I would have to lower myself down into the midden by means of the ladder nailed to the lip of the trapdoor and trudge through a collapsing garbage hill of disintegrating pulp to uncover anything at all. The scene obliquely embodied the scrap of writing I had encountered on the tower wall. The seeds of the dead to share with the worms that gather in the darkness and surround the world with the power of their lives. Can you really imagine what it was like in those first moments, peering down into that dark space and seeing that? Perhaps you can. Perhaps you're staring at it now. End quote. Southern Reach has existed far longer than they have let on. Or maybe each expedition has simply taken longer than anyone has been able to know. Because until now, no one, or no version of anyone, has made it out alive. History is full of extinction events. Climate change, meteorites, Atlantis... Darkness there was at first, by darkness hidden. Without distinctive marks, this all was water. That which, becoming, by the void was covered. That one, by force of heat, came into being. every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender... All of this has happened before. But the question remains, does all of this have to happen again? Who really knows? Who will here proclaim it? Whence was it produced? Whence is this creation? Gods came afterwards with the creation of this universe. Who then knows whence it has arisen? I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd, and there's nothing I can do about it. Whether God's will created it, or whether he was mute, perhaps it formed itself, or perhaps it did not. Only he who is its overseer in highest heaven knows. Only he knows, or perhaps he does not know. Many religions speak of such a power, and science, the Big Bang, and its counterpart, the Big Crunch, the universe expanding, and contracting, and, and expanding, an endless cycle of creation and destruction. Camera tracks slowly right. Then second thirty-four cut to a house, centered on a window with no glass, but lacy curtains gently blowing in the wind. The house is overgrown. The grass is overgrown. Second forty cut to Radic sitting beneath what might have once been a swing set, but there are no swings. An overgrown house behind her, something that might have been a birdhouse hanging nearby. Her hands behind her back, her eyes closed, waiting. Second 43, angle and Lena, three abandoned cars, a white Chevrolet Camaro Z28 with black racing stripes, a maroon Pontiac Bonneville, a black, something else, barely in frame. Two topiary people, including one that looks a lot like the Thorinson in that previous group, the other with orange flowers and far less thick, an overgrown house, another overgrown building in the distance. Lena sees Radic, takes a breath, walks forward. Back to Raddick, second 48. Lena walks into frame from right foreground. Raddick watches her. Second 53, angle from Lena's left as she passes among dangling plants, other playground or garden structures, long abandoned and overgrown, and she removes her rifle strap. Second 56, angle from front as Lena passes behind a topiary person large in the foreground and sits down beside Radek setting her rifle on the ground beside her neither her rifle nor herself are to the ground yet as time runs out for this minute we spoke what was it we said wordlessly watching the empty place inside. Annihilation